everyone and welcome to episode 2, series 2, no I can't believe they gave us a second series either, of Talking It Over with Supporting Mind Scotland, or as the cool kids call it, the Smaths Brav. My name's Ian Mitchell and I'm joined today by my colleague Nicole Bell. Hello Nicole. Hello. For newcomers to our show, we basically take a look at the performances, films and the art we've been enjoying during the Scottish Mental Health and Arts Festival and have a discussion around it, hopefully avoiding spoilers. Today we'll be talking over about Crazy, a film by Lise Zumwalt, apologies if I've murdered that name, which follows a young man named Eric and his struggles with schizophrenia and moreover the care system that he finds himself a part of and issues such as being placed under a compulsory treatment order. It's a really thought-provoking and at times quite frustrating film and opens up a lot of debate around the merits, issues and suitability of a care system which appears to be, at least in Wisconsin, one size fits all. Joining us to discuss Crazy will be the CEO of Support and Mind Scotland, Francis Simpson. Some of you may know that up until 2010, Support and Mind was known as the NSF or National Schizophrenia Fellowship, so there are a few better placed to chat about the issues tackled in and arising from the film. So where should we start? Will we, will we start with, well, Ian's given us a summary about how the film follows the protagonist, Eric, and his experience. Will we just go through our initial sort of gut reactions to the film and then take the discussion from there? Mm-hmm. What, we, what we thought. So, Francis, if we start with you, what you thought from the film overall, and then we'll pick out specific areas. I thought it was a really interesting film, very thought-provoking film and as a parent I found it a very moving film because I think it explored lots of aspects and dimensions of this this particular condition and touched on lots of um, complexities without getting really bogged down in any one of them and it gave a really a really kind of colourful um, picture of what it's like to, to live with schizophrenia either as a person yourself or as a family member trying to support you. So I found it a really moving film and um, I think there are lots of things in the film that will really speak to people who are in this position and really help them perhaps understand what they think and how they feel and help them articulate some of the some of the issues that they might face on a day-to-day basis. I think for me what really the, the standout thing for me was how the system, obviously America's system is a little bit different, but my gut reaction was thinking about how the system that we're presented with in America, that Eric sort of comes up against, if you like, just seems to take this one-size-fits-all approach to to schizophrenia, but let's assume to, to kind of severe mental illness in general, where Eric's individual thoughts and responses to the way he's being treated, what he's responded well to in the past and what he envisages for the future aren't quite taken on board and that was that was the thing for me that really stood out because from the beginning we get an impression of what it is Eric sees for his direction of travel and it is quite different to those around him including some of his family members and things as well. Yes I agree with you I think the if I was to try and find one word that, that kind of summarised that, it, it would be a kind of risk. Mm-hmm. There's a completely different attitude to risk and what the risk is, what it was, what the risk might be in the future and how you manage that risk. 
And the system, as you see, had one view that it was almost if you have this condition, then the risk will be this, and therefore we have to respond in this way. Whereas Eric and his dad particularly, they knew what some of the risks were, they had an awareness of that, which sometimes people with this particular illness don't have, but there seemed to be an awareness of what some of the risks might be. But there was also a belief that those risks could be managed in a way that worked for Eric if people would speak to him and if they would take his views into account. And his dad tried very hard to help him to do that. So I think it's a different attitude to risk. The system, and it's the same in Scotland, the system up to a point is about managing risk. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very often at odds with actually providing a person-centred you know, care and treatment plan actually allows people to manage their own their own condition in their own lives. And that came out very strongly in the film that the, the, the system was trying to protect Eric, his family and society from something, but they were never able to really articulate what that something was. And so Eric's frustration was very clear that, you know, they couldn't articulate that. So why are you doing this? And that was a really strong message. In terms of how the American system was presented in the film, and the parallels between the situation with these kind of things in Scotland. Can we cover a wee bit about that? So just for people who, who might have seen the film or might go to see the film, how can we draw parallels between them? Are, are the situations quite similar in your view or do you think there are differences in that method of delivery? Because we do see them run into the police, for example, um, psychiatric professionals and other people who are involved and different rights-based issues. Is there parallels between situation in Scotland? Definitely, there are strong parallels. I mean, we hope in Scotland that that, that we say we have a recovery-focused approach, we say that we have a person-centred approach, we say that our mental health strategy and our services are built on, you know, recovery and self-management and people taking control. But actually, the parallels were very, very strong in what actually happens to people. So although it may not be like this for everyone, there may be people who have a very different and more positive experience. But this feeling of families being really torn between needing to keep somebody safe at times of crisis while still maintaining some kind of ordinary family life, that, that is still very much a parallel. Involvement of police... Some family members tell us that the police are actually really helpful because at times of crisis, police have got certain powers to do things that other professionals don't. But that sense of your loved one who actually isn't well, so is a patient within the health service, being taken away in a police car, those two things just do not sit well together. And yet that is an experience in Scotland for families as well. And people talk about feeling criminalised and people kind of really resent that sense that they're treated like criminals even though they're actually unwell and you feel there needs to be a different approach because that just feeds all the anxiety and stress and paranoia that might be around. So those parallels were definitely there and the sense that the system didn't have any subtlety, the system couldn't really distinguish at any point between that, those two extremes of doing nothing and taking complete control. And that will be a very familiar experience to um, people in Scotland who are living with this particular condition. As the as the film develops, we kind of see there are obviously peaks and troughs in Eric's journey towards recovery. And at one point when things are going a bit better for him, he writes something in America that's called an advanced directive that kind of gives instructions about what he would like to be considered in the case that he is 
hospitalised in the future, which we see happens periodically throughout the film. In terms of in Scotland, are there similar things that people who are, find themselves in Eric's position, similar things that there are at their disposal? There are. We, we have something called advanced statements, and the advanced statements have been around since the Mental Health Act um, was brought into being. But we found in Scotland the experience has been that not many people have taken up the option of having an advanced statement and part of that is because they don't know about them or perhaps they don't have someone to help them put together an advanced statement. Some people tell us they haven't done them because they feel they don't do any good because the advanced statement is there to help decision making when the person doesn't have that capacity themselves at tribunal or reviews Mm -hmm. or whatever happens and they haven't had the confidence that sometimes the advanced statements have been overridden. Now that's perhaps because the professionals believe that they have to for various safety reasons, we're back to the issue of risk. Mm -hmm. But over the last couple of years the Mental Welfare Commission in Scotland has really been promoting along with organisations like ourselves the real importance of advanced statements. And now the Mental Welfare Commission has a responsibility to actually make sure that they record everybody who has an advanced statement so that when you're at a tribunal, the Commission knows that there's something there that states what somebody's wishes are. And the advanced statement is really important because it gives somebody an opportunity to say while they're well, this is what is likely to happen, this is what my behaviour might be like, this is what I don't want to happen. In Eric's case, I should imagine he'll be saying things like, I don't want lots and lots of this type of medication because it makes me feel worse. Mm-hmm. And so an advanced statement is a very, very important document and we're hoping that more people will, will take them up. But at the moment, the numbers are still quite small. But it's one of the key safeguards in the Mental Health Act mm-hmm. to make sure that people are able to express their views even at a time when they're most unwell. It's a really important safeguard and we really want to encourage people to to make use of that. Mentioning the the Mental Welfare Commission is actually so, so relevant because what we see in America is when Eric comes up against this system and he feels that it's not working for him. Part of it's part of his privilege as a family. They're able to take it through the court system because they've, they've got the disposable income effectively to do that. And one of the things that kind of stuck out for me was that it might not be possible for everybody to to go through that if they have issues with potentially the legalities of the way in which they've been treated and feeling like their rights have been infringed in some way. And of course in Scotland we can direct people towards the Mental Welfare Commission if they have issues around that, which is a positive thing that we've got that's there and free and available for people and anyone who's listening in who the themes of this film really for. That that did come out for me in the film actually and it was one thing, you, you see in the film that the father is obviously a, a medical professional myself so I made big assumptions about income levels mm. uh, but to be able to support his son in the way he did, did obviously demand a great deal of personal resources and not just financial resources but time expertise, noose, knowledge of the system and all of those resources in spite of all of that Eric still found himself at the mercy of the system mm-hmm. So in Scotland, yes, we have advanced statements, uh, we have other safeguards in place, we have the right to independent advocacy for anybody treated under the Mental Health Act as well, so we have safeguards. But in the end, that resource issue is still an issue for people. We do have um, recourse to the Mental Welfare Commission and other um, ways, hopefully, that we can support people perhaps a bit more effectively in Scotland, I would hope, Mm -hmm. because that was a very stark situation in America. Um, But the resource issue is still there, and I think people who are completely isolated and on their own with this, who have small or little family support, 
uh, they're the people that really um, will struggle to find that route through the system because they won't have those, not just the financial resources, but all the other resources you need to stick with it. Because you saw from the film how exhausting it was, completely exhausting for all concerned. And the patience of his dad in the film, you know, he came across as being frustrated, but that patient resilience, you know, really, to his credit, was, was kind of what held Eric up. And I think families have got that, but that's what puts so much pressure on families because they have to maintain that for such a long time to support their relative through, through something like this. And we don't see at any point in the film any of the family actually accessing any support for themselves and I guess that's the kind of thing where we saw the different pressures that it put on different people. So for Eric's dad, he is more informed and he seems a bit more just comfortable with the situation, if that makes sense. He has that, that understanding of it. But for people like his mum, who we see very, very early on in the film and then don't see again, and people like his sister, who seem, his sister in particular, seems quite distressed actually by some of the behaviour that she sees and her concern for the well-being of her, of her brother, that's the area where care support really could have been something they could have developed on in the film or, or mentioned Absolutely. as well because that's an important area. You're right, they didn't they didn't actually show any of that. I think what came out really strongly for me in the film was how close the family seemed to be. You're right, they all had their own pressures. The mum's situation was quite interesting because she was only mentioned briefly and we saw her that once very briefly. But for me as a mum, um, not as someone with, with living with schizophrenia at all, but just, just as a mum, in a way, I kind of sensed her fear around it. You know that sense of just doing anything, anything to keep her keep her son safe. But I think the family, the way the family attempted later on in the film to come together and try and find a solution that worked for everyone was really strong and showed how strong the family links were. But you're right, the sister then I think found that when it wasn't working, that 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 kind of anxiety came back in terms of this isn't working. We are going to have to do something. But I think families do need support because if if you are struggling with something like this and you're trying to work as a family, if you don't know what's going on, you don't understand the system, you don't understand the illness, you've got your own feelings and emotions to deal with, you've also to keep ordinary life going. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to keep working and paying the bills and doing the shopping and, and all of these ordinary things on top. Mm-hmm. That wasn't explored in any particular way in the film. But I think that's reality for lots mm-hmm. of families. And there are supports out there for families, I suppose, you know, organisations like ours and lots of others. And I suppose, in, in a way of kind of putting out of it, but plea to anybody who's listening to seek support, because it's okay to seek support, because it's too difficult. It's really, really, really difficult to cope. And not because your relative's a burden, mm-hmm. and some people use that word, and, and it's quite a difficult word, but just because as a family, it's, 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 just, it's just quite difficult to cope with that on a day-to-day basis without any help. This kind of chimes with another thing that, that stuck out for me in the film, which was about that sense of community at large. And it was only a, only a tiny, tiny bit in the film, but I thought it was quite significant. We see, at one point, Eric goes to his little computer geek group, it's described as, which is obviously his safe space um, to, to go to. And he goes to the building to discover it's locked and that he can't get in. And at that point, he sets off an alarm because he's very frustrated, I assume, a fire alarm or something like that. And this is another instance where the police come and, and pick him up and take him away. But what's, what actually struck a chord 
for me there was the fact that there was somebody like Eric who was looking to find his safe space and his his community that he's created for himself that sits out with his family and the complexities that can sometimes go along with that and that frustration and that kind of crisis point that he reaches is because he can't access it as as he typically would and for me that kind of stuck out about the importance of those things that are in our community that we can access that provide us a sense of a sense of our own community and our own people that might sit out with our families and I guess that has a relevance to family members who care as well in that joining something like a carer support group or accessing services like that gives you a sense of community that sits out with the complexities of family relationships which bring with them their own baggage if you like. (laughs) You're absolutely right because if you think about what any of us want in our lives we've got hopefully Hopefully, not everybody, but hopefully you've got family, you've got friends, you go to work, you've got circles of, you've got other networks out there, you join things, you go places. And for a lot of people who live with quite serious mental illness, those networks close down, not because of anything they do, but just because they're not available. When you're not well, you lose track, friends walk away, um, and there aren't the same resources because it's not easy when you're not well to just turn up at your local gym or turn up at your local community centre or whatever and just take part in whatever's going on. It's hard enough for anyone. Mm-hmm. But if you're living with this other barrier, lack of confidence or whatever it is. So we strongly believe as an organisation that having safe places to go in a local community are really important, whatever they are. And it might be about helping people with support to access community facilities that are there. Or it might be that there is a need to actually establish something a little bit, you know, on it, not quite on its own, but something specific for people to help them make that, that bridge from where they are into ordinary community life. And I don't think that's understood. I think my, my it's a personal view probably that the, the, the good intentions around integration and not stigmatising are actually removing some of the basic community supports that might help people overcome those barriers in the end in the longer term so so I think that I, I had kind of forgotten that bit in the film where he goes along and, and, and kind of can't get into um, where he wants to be mm-hmm. but I think it is really important because we all want to belong and we need to have a peer group mm-hmm. you know as an adult you shouldn't be spending all your time with your family and yet for people with serious mental illness that's very often the case you know, we'll, f- we'll see families where adult children are still living in the family home in their 20s or 30s, and that isn't a situation that you would expect. So um, creating peer groups and peer support, really, really important, and that's probably where there hasn't been enough real investment. And as money gets tight, that tends to be where there's disinvestment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think actually you've made a very, very important point. And the government's loneliness and isolation strategy in Scotland, a connected Scotland, really says it all. You know, this idea of connecting people. We all want to be connected to each other, to our communities, to our families, to our friends. And once those connections start to go, um, people can be very isolated, maybe not geographically, but they can be very isolated in their own world. And that's obviously where, if you're already not well, you're not going to make a very good recovery if you're losing those connections to the rest of the world and we, we kind of see towards the the end of the, the film how that plays out for Eric in quite a positive light um, it's a the narrative of the film I guess like a lot of people's experience there are peaks and troughs in terms of 
where things seem to be going on his journey of recovery. But towards the end, we see that he's managed to get back into college, that he's managed to complete his degree, um, which he'd had to take some time out of. And I thought that was great. You know, we kind of get to celebrate with the family, almost seeing some of those clips from that. Um, but also towards the end, it turns out that he is now contributing to one of these peer groups he is a member of and he's supporting other people. And I thought that was a really positive takeaway from what's been quite a tumultuous tale for him and for his family. I agree with you because I, I watched the film with some trepidation and I was I was being as stigmatising as anybody, I think, and I think that was quite a clever... I don't know if it was deliberate, but I thought the film was quite clever in that way because when I started watching it, I was quite anxious mm. because you could see the way the first half of the film was going. You know, the kind of, the, the kind of episodes where... Um, his behaviour would become quite challenging and so you'd end up with the police or you'd be in hospital and then setting fires and all of this this kind of stuff. Um, and I found that by the middle of the film, and then there was an episode that there's a bit in the film where he goes away on his own and, and that I was really at that point thinking, do I really want to continue to watch because I was fearful of where it was going to go? And of course, as you say, then you see the family kind of regroup. They finally find the right kind of support somebody finally starts to listen to Eric about what he wants and she persuades him to get that compromise between the two extremes of doing nothing and having everything. And so by the time you get to the end and you see that positive story, I thought it was the most uplifting mm -hmm. bit of the film that, yes, there's hope and recovery. And I think mm -hmm. the peer support element wasn't brought out because it's just it's mentioned at the end that he's part of this, part of this group. But we know from evidence in this country that peer support is one of the, the most fundamental things to recovering from any mental health illness, any mental illness or any mental health problem, um, is the fact that you can look at other people, see what they've been through, see that they've coped, and that helps you cope. And of course, for Eric um, to, to, to reach that stage in his life where he wasn't only able to live a full life, but he was giving something back, and that then perpetuates that, that kind of sense of, of helping somebody else's hope and recovery as well. So a really, really strong um, message by the end that hopefully will encourage people that hope and recovery actually is there. Mm -hmm. The system gave them no hope, unfortunately, the way it was set up. That was about containing behaviour, keeping him and others by implication. The fact he had to be handcuffed at certain times safe. Um, whereas the real message is actually with enough support and understanding and enough control of your own life, um, you can not only help yourself, but you know, go on to help other people as well. So it's a really hopeful film, and very encouraging film, even though to start with I was quite anxious. <laughs> it really was, I must admit. I think, certainly for me, we've, we've covered all the bits that, that stuck out for me in, in, in my mind. And I think that's a really positive note to end on, actually, because just just like the film, we focused in on the, the hope and recovery and, and you know what com what comes next type thing, um, which is absolutely the way the film goes as well. So I guess it's just a an open invitation from me whether anybody's got any closing remarks they'd like to make or any recommendations for listeners who have maybe experienced the the kind of things we've seen play out in the film themselves. No, as you say, we, we, we've ended on such a positive note, I don't want to revisit any of the other things, but I, I think that if people can watch the film, um, then that will that will speak for itself. Um, this was a family in terrible circumstances who overcame all of that 
and you end up just absolutely rooting for that family and for that young man and for what he's able to achieve and it was so admirable that he stuck with it himself it's not just his dad but he stuck with it he knew what he wanted and he stuck with it in spite of all the challenges and got what he needed in the end by being absolutely true to what he knew was the right thing and that's a really really um, important thing for any of us so I would just encourage people if they can to watch the film and uh, they'll see all that for themselves and I think for me just a, a big thank you to Eric Eric's family and the director for getting this and, and SMAF of course for getting it on the programme and getting this story out there because there will be lots of people who've seen that film who have had similar experiences or will have similar experiences and it gives that sense that, that people are not alone in that, in that No, and that schizophrenia is not something to be feared, it's not something to be stigmatised it's not something to kind of shy away from and not talk about you know, and I think that's a really, really powerful and positive message from the film. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And that just about wraps things up for episode two. We hope you've enjoyed it. Do keep your ears to the ground because we will be having a special bonus pod next month. And just before we go, um, we'd like to flag up if you've been directly affected by any of the issues that were discussed as part of this podcast, where it pertains to treatment and care you've received or somebody you care about has received, then you can contact the Mental Welfare Commission for Scotland on 0800 389 6809 or visit their website at www.mwcscot.org.uk and they'll be able to advise on rights and treatment issues. Until next time. See you later. See ya.